What's happening, everybody? On today's show, some SEC football tidbits, recruiting news, and the feud over eight versus nine games continues. Meanwhile, several SEC baseball teams are moving on to the Super Regionals. Locked on SEC starts right now. You are locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And what is happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, covering your team every day. All right, we got some football tidbits, so we'll start with that. Let's jump into it. Boots out to the right. Makes the handoff. Around the conference. And we start with Paul Feinbaum, who was on with... Greg McElroy and Cole Kublik on Monday, and he reiterated his stance. He still believes there is hope for a nine-game SEC schedule. Um, of course, we know the SEC determined last week in 2024, welcoming in Texas and Oklahoma. They're going to go to 16 teams, but they're going to stay at eight conference games, not going to nine like many thought. Paul Feinbaum said on the radio show, look, it wasn't a consensus for next year, and that's what I think a lot of the pundits have misunderstood. This is a temporary decision. It's an interim decision. It's for next year. We'll get to nine games, and I think we will get there in 2025. That's according to Paul Feinbaum. Uh, When it comes to why the SEC decided to stay at eight, Feinbaum said, look, I don't know all the mechanics and why it couldn't happen next year. Some of the spin, I think, is a little overdone. I just think there wasn't total alignment. I think that goes from the league to the media partners, and I think Greg Sankey said, okay, if we're not 100% behind this, let's pause Let's get this thing off the ground next year. We'll figure out uh, very quickly how to get there. If this was a long-term decision, I think all of us would be outraged. This is a one-year deal as best as I can tell. Now, on the flip side, Tim Brando, friend of the show, longtime broadcaster, been working for Fox, but as we know, spent many years at CBS. On Monday, he appeared on Crane & Company, and he torched Greg Sankey on the decision. He said, look, Sankey did not look like a commissioner last week in Destin. If you're telling me this guy's the most powerful man in college football, I have great expectations. He's a good man. He wants to play nine games, but he won't even say it publicly. He wanted nine games, and everybody knew it. And at the end of the day, Tim Brando says the decision over the SEC schedule came down to their media deal with ESPN and a desire from the SEC presidents to get more money from going to eight to nine games. According to Brando, he said that deal... With ESPN was a misstep by Greg Sankey. He said, quote, the SEC presidents had their hand out wanting more money from ESPN. Why should ESPN pay them more money? They have a $300 million deal. He said, here's, here's what happened, and no one wants to say this. Greg Sankey made that television deal way too early. Now, I find this interesting because Tim Brando should have some kind of insight for this since he worked at CBS. He knows how these TV deals go, and we talked about the timeline. Um, The SEC knew their deal with CBS was coming up after this 2023 season, so they were open for negotiations for 2024. Somewhere in early 2020, they agreed to this new deal with Disney, pushing all the ESPN rights over to ABC, ESPN, and, of course, keeping the SEC network. And, you know, $300 million a year, it's great, over a 10-year deal worth $3 billion. But again, that decision was based off 
a 14-game conference or 14-team conference with an eight-game conference schedule. Um, you know, should Sankey have maybe had the foresight to look ahead and go, hey, we might expand eventually? I mean, we know that this came out just a couple years ago. The Texas and Oklahoma were joining the conference, and of course, immediately the thought went to we're going to, you know, we should go to nine conference games like a lot of the other, you know, team conferences with a lot of teams play. So, look. We don't know the full answer. Um, like it or love it, this is what they're doing. So uh, not everybody's going to play everybody. Um, just can't make it work. But the hope is we go from eight to nine games in 2025. Paul Feinbaum says, no big deal. We'll get there. Tim Brando says, hey, point that finger back at Greg Sankey. They should have uh, thought of this kind of stuff ahead of time. And maybe, you know, put some put something in the contract. You know, it says if we expand down the road, we get more money. Just a thought. All right, let's get to some actual SEC football news. Over at Florida, Billy Napier talking with reporters a couple days ago, talking about the issues that he faced in his first year in Gainesville. And obviously, look, he had Anthony Richardson, who ended up being a top-five quarterback in this year's draft. And they go 6-6, six and six, lose their bowl game, finish 6-7. Uh, and, and it was just a lot of – basically a mess at Florida in his first year. And uh, this is a guy who was very successful – at ULL in the uh, Sun Belt, and Napier talked about the problems in his first year. He said the big problem was the roster having to make it over uh, and taking it over and uh, having to deal with the early signing period in, in December and kind of piecemealing a signing class and all that kind of stuff. He said all those things combined, he said, I think your time becomes divided. You, we got some things established, but we didn't do it with detail. We didn't do it with discipline. We just didn't have a team dynamic. He said, I just left a place that was – a well-oiled machine over there in Louisiana, but uh, he said, you're not going to get there overnight. Reality is, uh, he said, first two years, you're giving away two years of your life to some degree to try to build this thing up. It takes a while to get going. Now, uh, Napier's done a pretty good job hitting up the transfer portal. They had a nice 2023 recruiting class. 2024 class is looking strong. Uh, so expectations are high for Napier at Florida. And, you know, we're already hearing the word hot seat get thrown around with Billy Napier just heading into year two. And he told reporters last week that, uh, you know, that was part of the allure of the job, that there are high expectations. But he said, look, there's been a significant difference in the team's first summer workout this year compared to last year. So we'll see how improved Florida looks when we get to uh, August 31st when they kick things off against Utah over in Salt Lake City. In recruiting news, Mississippi State, they flipped a player away from their in-state rival Ole Miss for the 2024 class. Three-star in-state linebacker Fred Clark. He committed to Ole Miss back in March. He reopened his recruitment, and now he is committed to Mississippi State and Zach Arnett. He's 6'2", 230 pounds, rated the 71st linebacker prospect in the country for class of 2024, the number 21 player out of the state of Mississippi. Mississippi State now at eight commitments so far for their class of 2024. They also picked up a commitment from defensive lineman Terrence Hibbler a couple of days ago. He's six foot three, 285 pounds, the number 33 defensive lineman, the number eight in-state prospect, four-star commitment. So that's a big-time get for Mississippi State in Terrence Hibbler. Over at Alabama, they got a commitment from class of 2024 offensive lineman Joseph Ayanata. This is a three-star commitment out of the state of Florida. He's Alabama's eighth commitment for the class of 2024. His dad was an All-American offensive lineman at Florida State back in the 80s. 
And uh, Joey is six foot four, two hundred and eighty pounds. Starts at left tackle. Um, and again, he'll be a commitment for the class of twenty twenty four. Number nine hundred and seventy seven overall prospect. Number seventy interior offensive lineman. Uh, some bad news for Tennessee. They lost a commitment from four-star wide receiver J.J. Harrell on Monday. He'd been committed to Tennessee since back in February. So the Vols, uh, they are thought to be heavily in the mix for a five-star wide receiver by the name of Mike Matthews, as well as Amari Jefferson, but they lose their one receiver they had in this class. Uh, Harrell's been trending to Ole Miss the last handful of days, so we'll see where he ends up. Six-foot-tall, number one wide receiver out of the state of Mississippi for the class of 2024. Like we said, Tennessee, without a wide receiver commit now for the class of 2024, still looking like a top 10 class and still a lot of room to to grow. And I I think they'll add a wide receiver before it is all said and done. Meanwhile, four-star defensive lineman Kamarian Franklin, he released his top five schools over the weekend. Auburn, Ole Miss, and Tennessee, all making the cut from the SEC. Miami and Florida State also in the mix. He's the number 39 overall player for the class of 2024 and the number seven defensive lineman in the country. So we'll see where he ends up. And uh, one other recruiting tidbit, Anthony Rogers, four-star running back in the class of 2025. He committed to Alabama. He's out of the uh, IMG Academy. So uh, five foot eight, 185 pounds, four stars, and got a long way to go before he ends up on campus. The number 87 overall recruit for the class of 2025. And a couple other football tidbits, uh, Arkansas offensive lineman Bo Limmer. He was named the number one highest-graded returning offensive lineman in the SEC over the weekend by Pro Football Focus. This will be his fifth season in Arkansas, and he's uh, been a great player for them. was named a second-team All-SEC uh, last year and third-team All-America uh, list. Earned uh, 13 total starts at right guard and center, and uh, we will see... Uh, what he does to help that offensive line for Arkansas this year. Obviously, Rocket Sanders being one of the leading rushers in the SEC a year ago, helping open those holes, and you got K.J. Jefferson back. Dan Enos now calling the plays for Arkansas. So, congrats to Bo Limmer on that honor. We'll see what he does this year. One last interesting note uh, that somebody pointed out to me. Uh, LSU's current football roster on their website lists 13 running backs on the team's roster uh, that includes fifth-year senior John Emery and redshirt sophomore Trey Bradford. Now, John Emery had been known to be away from the, the team this past spring, strictly focusing on his academics. That was from Brian Kelly. So, appears maybe he got all that figured out, and uh, he is listed on the roster. Now, as for Trey Bradford, this marks his third stint with the Tigers. He originally signed with LSU as a four-star recruit back in 2020, transferred to Oklahoma after a season, But he only spent two months with the Sooners. Ended up coming back to Baton Rouge in 2021. Stayed with the team throughout the spring spring last year. Was not with LSU in the fall. And now he is back listed on their roster. So, uh, a lot of depth there for LSU. We know they signed Notre Dame transfer Logan Diggs a couple weeks ago. He's coming in. He'll provide some experience along with John Emery, who, like we said, is a fifth-year senior. Junior Armani Goodwin, he has been recovering from a knee injury he suffered last season. And, Brian Kelly, when he talked about it, didn't seem all that optimistic about when Goodwin would be healthy and ready to go. You combine that with the other running backs on LSU's roster, which includes senior Noah Kane, who transferred over from Penn State a year ago, and, of course, uh, grad student Josh Williams, who's a former walk-on turned starter. 
Josh Williams and Noah Kane. They were the team's two leading rushers at running back last year behind Jaden Daniels at quarterback. Um, and then LSU brings in their two freshman recruits and Trey Holly and Kalen uh, Jackson, who are both four-star recruits. So it's a deep running back room. And then they got some other guys on the roster, Corn Norman, Malachi Lane, Nick Demas, Isaiah Mosley, and Jacall Winder. But um, some of those other bigger names, we'll see what happens. This would be big for LSU if John Emery and Trey Bradford are both on the roster for the fall and ready to go. Uh, but Logan Diggs probably going to, I would assume, fight for that starting spot coming over from Notre Dame. who's a really good runner over there with the Irish uh, in his first stint with Brian Kelly. And there you have it. That is the latest news going on around the conference. Coming up next, we're going to talk about some of the uh, baseball teams that are heading to Super Regionals. That is coming your way in just a second. But first, I want to remind you guys, this episode is presented to you by our friends over at FanDuel. Look, make a fast break to FanDuel throughout these NBA playoffs because right now, new customers are going to get that no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That is $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Look, they've got great promotions going on every day. They offer a safe and secure app that is easy to use, and you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. That is FanDuel. Go visit them right now. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Get that no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash College. FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. Going along here, Locked On SEC. Thank you guys so much for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. And a shout-out to our everydayers. Tomorrow on the show, we'll be talking more football tidbits throughout the week. We'll have some more guests joining us as well. Later in the week, we'll be talking some SEC recruiting, so you don't want to miss that. Always fun to uh, do that. So uh, let's jump into it. We got some uh, SEC baseball action. We weren't able to discuss it all on uh, yesterday's show because we had some regionals still finishing off on Monday. So we start first with the bad news. Arkansas's baseball season came to a close on Monday, losing to the hands of the TCU 12-4. The Razorbacks pitching staff allowed 32 runs to the Horned Frogs over the weekend. Arkansas, they jumped out to a 4-2 lead in the fifth inning on Monday before TCU put up 10 straight runs to earn the 12-4 victory. Hagan Smith... He came in in relief of starter Cody Adcock, kept the Horn Frogs at bay over his three and two-third innings on the mound, struck out six, allowing just one run, finishing his All-America campaign with a team leading 109 strikeouts over 71 and two-thirds innings pitched. But unfortunately, the Hogs can't get it done. They did down Santa Clara twice, um, but they lose to TCU, and Arkansas' season comes to an end with a 43-19 and record. Also joining Arkansas on the teams that got ousted in their regionals. We told you yesterday, Vanderbilt and Auburn both losing at home. Look, for Auburn, they feel like the future is bright. But for Vanderbilt, man, that was that's pretty brutal. Losing at home, uh, high expectations being a, a highly seeded team. Um, yeah, look, just very disappointing for Dave Van Horn and company in Arkansas, Vanderbilt, and Auburn. Um Time to regroup, figure out what went wrong and how you can get back here again next year. Now, the team's moving on. 
LSU, they pounded out 19 hits and scored double-digit runs to lift the number five national seed Tigers to a 13-4 win over Oregon State on Monday. And they advance to this regional round, LSU does, for the 16th time in program history. Uh, with the win, LSU improved to 46-15 on the season. Meanwhile, Kentucky, who they are paired up with, had a, a hard-fought 4-2 victory over Indiana on Monday evening in front of a record crowd at Kentucky Proud Park of nearly 6,800 people. Helped the Wildcats clinch an NCAA regional championship and puts Kentucky into a super regional for only the second time in program history. They last did it in 2017. And this year, it is a pairing with LSU. Like we said, will make their 16th super regional appearance second most all time. And the best of three super regional schedule will happen this weekend. Kentucky's the only school in the 14-team SEC to have never advanced to the College World Series. LSU, on the other hand, they own a conference best six national championships. They were the runner-up in 2017. And LSU's 18 College World Series appearances are the most in the SEC. So that is going to be a really big one in Baton Rouge this weekend. LSU hosting Kentucky and a best-of-three Super Regional. May the best SEC team win. And speaking of SEC versus SEC, we got another one. As the South Carolina Gamecocks, they advance to the Super Regionals for the 14th time in school history. First since 2018, they swept through the Columbia Regional, outscoring their opponents 41-11. to So the bats are red hot for South Carolina. They're paired up with the Florida Gators. They defeated Texas Tech 6-0 in the Regional Final on Monday. They advanced to the Super Regionals following their third straight victory-facing elimination. And South Carolina will make the trip down to Florida due to the fact that the Gators are the higher-ranked national seat. Both of these ball clubs met in the regular season. Gamecocks got the best of the Gators in a series sweep in Columbia. Since that time, though, Florida has won 17 of their last 22 games, while South Carolina has lost 13 of their uh, 18 games leading into the NCAA tournament. So uh, who's trending the right direction? Who's going to get hot? Again, maybe a best SEC team win. But South Carolina taking on Florida. Kentucky taking it on LSU. Now, other teams. We've got Tennessee. They will face Southern Miss for a spot in the College World Series. Vols and the Golden Eagles. Uh, or the, the Golden Eagles. They uh, Vols won the Clemson Regional. And Golden Eagles won the Auburn Regional, respectively. And uh, the NCAA committee will decide today, depending on when you're listening to this, whether Tennessee or South, Southern Miss will host both submitted uh, Super Regional host bids. I would assume maybe they would lean towards Tennessee. We'll see who gets the bid there. Uh, meanwhile, Alabama, they routed Boston College over the weekend. And uh, the Crimson Tide, they will travel to face the number one overall seed, Wake Forest, in the Winston-Salem Super Regional this weekend. It will be Alabama's first Super Regional appearance since 2010. And, man, can't give more kudos enough to the Alabama team for – Overcome the adversity of losing your head coach, firing Brad Bohannon for the gambling incident and all that. And they have rose to the occasion. So we'll see if Alabama can go give Wake Forest a run for their money in the Super Regional. Now, uh, lastly, full disclosure while recording this, Stanford is leading Texas A&M 4-1 in the seventh inning. So it's looking like uh, unless the bats get really hot here for the Aggies, It'll be Stanford moving on to play the Texas Longhorns, and the Longhorns will have to go out to the West Coast to play Stanford. We're hoping to get an early SEC-SEC rivalry there with uh, 
Texas versus Texas A&M, but uh, not looking good for the Aggies right now. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Lastly, on baseball notes, uh, Georgia found their new head baseball coach. Multiple outlets reporting yesterday that LSU pitching coach Wes Johnson heading to Athens to be the new Georgia head coach. LSU coach Jay Johnson hired Wes Johnson last summer, pulling him away from the Minnesota Twins as he was their pitching coach there. Came over to LSU, but Johnson, tons of SEC experience. He um, made a jump to coaching in the majors, but also coached pitchers at Mississippi State in 2016, at Arkansas in 2017 and 2018. And his experience at the college of pro level is what appealed to Georgia, according to Pete Thamel of ESPN. Uh, he will remain with LSU for the rest of their postseason run. And uh, following Georgia's exit from the SEC tournament, they dismissed head coach Scott Strickland after 10 seasons there. So uh, Wes Johnson going to be the new head coach over there at Georgia. But again, we'll stick with LSU throughout the rest of their tournament run. And that is the latest going on with SEC baseball news. Thank you guys again for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Coming up next, the College Football Hall of Fame ballot for 2024 is out. We'll run through some of the SEC names on that list. All right, roll along here at Locked On SEC, and we wanted to touch on the College Football Hall of Fame ballot for 2024 being released on Monday by the National Football Foundation in conjunction with the College Hall of Fame. And the 2024 ballot comprises 78 players and nine coaches from the FBS with 101 players and 32 coaches coming from divisional ranks. Uh, the NFF president CEO, Steve Hatchell, said, look, it's an enormous honor just to be on the College Football Hall of Fame ballot, considering more than 5.6 million people have played college football and only 1,000 players have been inducted so far. The Hall's requirement of being a first-team All-American creates a much smaller pool of about only 1,500 individuals who are even eligible. He said, being in today's elite group means that individuals truly among the greatest have ever played the game. We look forward to announcing the Hall of Fame class early next year. So here were some of the names that made the list, at least guys from the SEC. First up, we got uh, Alabama defensive back Antonio Langham. He was a really good one over at Arkansas. An O-lineman in Leotis Harris, a D-lineman in Big Dan Hampton. Um, and again, we'll, you'll recognize a lot of these names of guys who went on to have great NFL careers, not just great college careers, but this is the for the College uh, Football Hall of Fame. Uh, Auburn, with three names on the list. Greg Carr, Auburn linebacker. Ed King, O-lineman. And how about stud Auburn linebacker and SEC Network analyst Takeo Spikes making this list? Uh, got a feeling Takeo is going to um, have a really good shot at getting in in this class. Florida defensive lineman Brad Culpepper makes the list. Georgia running back Garrison Hurst, along with Georgia D lineman Richard Seymour, two really good ones there. Uh, Kentucky quarterback Tim Couch makes the list. Really good one there. Uh, Brady James, the LSU linebacker, spent many years with the Dallas Cowboys. He makes the cut. Michael Orr, of course, star of the blind side, Ole Miss offensive lineman. He is um, a nominee on this list. 
Two guys coming from Tennessee, uh, wide receivers, Willie Galt and Larry Seavers. So good names there out of uh, Texas A&M. Defensive back Kevin Smith. And just for good measure, we'll throw in Oklahoma and Texas in here since we need to start including them in things. Uh, Michael Huff, Texas defensive back. Of course, he was part of that national championship team with Vince Young. And over at Oklahoma, linebacker Rocky Kalmus, defensive lineman Dewey Selman. And how about Oklahoma quarterback, now Tennessee head coach, Josh Heupel, making the list as a uh, as a nominee. So there you have it. We'll see who makes the cut. But those are all the names from the SEC. Now, there are two coaches to make the cut. Head coach Jim Carlin, he coached at South Carolina in the late 70s, early 80s. And then Tommy Tuberville, who we know from his years in the late 90s at Ole Miss. And then, of course, at Auburn for about a decade where he had great, tremendous success. So that is the list of finalists. We'll see who ends up making the cut from the SEC. But thank you guys so much for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Again, shout out to our everydayers. Keep coming back and checking us out and uh, subscribe, whether you're listening on the audio version or checking us out on the YouTube version. We appreciate you guys for coming along. I'm Chris Gordy. This has been Locked on SEC. We will talk to you guys tomorrow.